I mean, I felt easy, easy to love in those circumstances, but I felt like love was abundant and that was a really wonderful feeling. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We always strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy and positive approach to non-monogamy. However, everyone approaches this a little different, and at its core, our show is about hearing and learning from the different experiences and approaches people have. With that in mind, it's important to remember that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect those of our own. It's also important to remember that we aren't doctors or therapists and that we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on this show. One final thing that we need to let you know about is that this podcast will hopefully include some explicit language. So, if that kind of thing offends you, we suggest you just keep listening until it no longer does. However, if you're under the age of 18, you should probably stop listening or gather up your parents and listen as a family. Enjoy! Hi, real quick, Finn here. I just wanted to uh, quickly say before I toss it over to Emma that... Uh, we we do a couple of quick announcements at the beginning of this one. It lasts about eight, maybe nine minutes, and it's not something we're going to do very often, but we wanted to, at the start of the year, just get some information out there and get some feedback from you. So please bear with us, and we won't do this to you again for quite a while, hopefully. Welcome to episode 43. We're Finn and Emma. Right? Well, I'm Finn, you're Emma. Yes, we do that every time. We do it every time. Today we have an exciting interview, as always. Yeah, we've got an interview with Aaliyah. She is one of the partners of one of our previous interviewees, Vaughn. Yeah, on episode 26. So if you want, go back and listen to that one. However, it is not necessarily required listening, but that's the Vaughn we're talking about. Yes. Thought that should be important for you to know. Yes, exactly. And then we have a couple of other fun announcements here at the beginning. Yeah, we mentioned last week that we have lots of awesome stuff happening, and we wanted to talk about some of that for this year, uh, but we didn't mention it last week. Don't really know why. We're going to do it now. Because we're still working on things. Yeah. So the first thing that we can unveil, actually, you know what, before we unveil anything, let's thank some people from this year. Yes. So we did... I mean last year. No. Last year. Yeah. Well, that's Everybody. the other thing. Yeah. Last year. So we did roughly 40... Well, we published 40 interviews in uh-huh. 2018. And we started in May, and we've had a... Literally, like, the most fun we've had in a long time. Yeah, it's been a blast. We've, we've loved doing the show. We've met tons of other content creators, and we've had tons and tons of people reaching out like just listeners. Some of them have come on the show. Some of them have just given us uh, really kind feedback and told yeah. us how much we've helped them. So we just wanted to say thank you to everybody who's reached out to us. Yeah. We love the reviews too. They're super helpful and makes us smile every time we get one. Yeah. And literally like every time we finish one of these interviews, we look at each other and we say, well, that was really fun. That was awesome. Like, so this yeah, and, is really... And- and we learned something. Right. And it would not happen without all of you. Yeah. So thank you to all the listeners, uh, even the ones who don't leave us reviews. This isn't a, a 
us begging for reviews. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, it was just we wanted to say thank you to everybody who's reached out to us. And if you haven't reached out to us, please do so. One of the things, uh, one of the ways you can do that now rather than just sending us an email is sending us a voicemail. Yeah. So that's really cool. And, well, that's a really good lead-in to our brand new website. New website. Same old address. New website. So Normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Cleaned it up a little bit, made it look a little more fancier, and yeah. On the Contact Us page, you can send us an email, or like Finn said, you can send us a voicemail now by clicking the link there. Yeah, it's not a voicemail tied to your phone. We're not going to get your phone number or anything. It's it's just a little button. You push it, send us an email with an audio recording. So go do that. Try it out. Send us some kind words, and yeah. We won't play it on the show unless you want us to, and even then we might not because... That's not really what we do, but right. but we could. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. One other thing that we wanted to talk about, and we've mentioned this in the past, is uh, regarding some of the resources. And I know some of you probably just skip ahead of this point, so just hold on two seconds before you do that. Uh, we are continuing to try and find new resources. Some of them are support the show financially if you use them through affiliate links, and and some of them don't. So... Uh, we've got a new one that we wanted to talk about today, but we before we did that, we wanted to just throw it out to you as the listeners. Is this stuff that you want us to keep doing, keep finding these things for you and keep presenting them to you? One option would be to do this as a way to offset some of the costs of hosting. Uh, the other is if you if you're like, I'm really sick of listening to the roughly a minute and a half of us mentioning resources. We could do a like ad-free version on for like a two dollar a month Patreon or something like that. We don't know. We, we're just thinking of through ideas right now. Yeah, we're we're open ideas, and we'd love to hear what people think. Again, we we struggle with that one because all of the things that we have found are we find beneficial to the listeners, and we try to either give a discount or a free trial or something. And and I think that will always be the case because. Really, we're not we're not bound by any of these companies since they are just affiliates. They're not paying us like a hundred dollars an episode to talk about them, and we have to say this much, talk for this much time. We we don't have any of those constraints, and we don't really plan to. So yeah, I'm a rambler, but, <laughs> but we so you're rambling a little bit. Yeah, but... so I guess the point is, our goal is always try to keep it to like maybe a minute, minute and a half at the beginning, and maybe a minute or a minute and a half at the end, at the most. So let us know what you think on that. The new one we got is my one condoms, which is really cool, actually. Yeah, this was mentioned in the last episode with uh, Bill and Felice. This is something that he he kind of discovered when he had to start using condoms after being married for thirty three years and not using them. Mm-hmm. He he struggled a little bit with that, and so he found these, which are basically. Uh, custom fit, more or less custom fit condoms. They have like 60 sizes. Yep. 60 different sizes. You, you can go online and like print a little sizing kit or you can order a sizing kit and basically you, you figure out which size you need and then they fit you much better. And yeah, some of the reviews on their website are fantastic. And as soon as we're back in the U S I'll be measuring my own, <laughs> try them out. My, yeah. my own self and trying them out. So yeah, we're excited for that. And what you get is 10% off any order using the code Emma. Emma, that's you. Yes. And 
Yeah, so we'll put the links in the show notes here. We'll put them on our website, on the resources page, and on the show notes there. Give them a try and definitely let us know if you like them. Yeah, let us know what you think. Again, we haven't used these. We've heard good things about them, but we, we don't have the chance to use them right now. The other one that we'll mention real quick at the bidding, 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 beginning beginning here is uh, STD Check. We mention this one every week, and we love it, and it seems that a lot of you are loving it as well. It's a super easy way to get tested for STIs. It's also pretty cost-effective. It's about $200 for a full 10-test panel, but you save $10 if you use the link on our website, and you support the show. Oh, that was the other thing. The My One Condoms, we worked out this deal with them, but there's no affiliate there. That's just... We went to them and said, hey, you got awesome shit. Let's give it to our listeners and give them a discount. And they said, let's do that. And so we're doing that. Yeah. Now I think we can stop rambling. Oh, no, we can't. Another one? One more quick thing. I'm sorry that you're still with us, but... This interview was the first interview that we recorded after roughly like a two-month break of not doing interviews. So, Oh, yeah. We are a little rambly with our questions. Our questions are a little all over, but we kind of hit our stride about halfway through. It's still an awesome interview, and Aaliyah does an awesome job of answering our questions. It's even like though, our questions. Yeah. So, yeah. so thank you her. story is really unique yeah. and interesting, too. Yeah. She's a, she's a very awesome outlook on life yeah and so we're super excited for this one now we are done let's go to the interview and we will see everybody on the other side let's go ready yeah you ready we always have this uh it's awkward it's super awkward just like everything in the yes (laughs) so welcome Aaliyah to the podcast yeah. We've been trying to make this interview happen since I think July. It's been a long time. So hey. you Thanks for being consistent. Oh no, we we will nag everybody until they come <laughs> on the show. It doesn't matter who you are. Um so we were we were put in touch. That was just a second. That was a little negative. You need to be a little more positive <laughs> about that. <laughs> it wasn't nagging, it was just it was bad timing on her part, and then our part, and then her part. So here we anyway, are. Everybody's we just happy. will lightly encourage you to come on the show if you're at all interested. That's a better way to say it. I nag. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but anyway, we were put in touch with you by one of your partners who was on episode 26 of our show, Vaughn. And so he said, well, Aaliyah might want to come on the show, and it turns out you did. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yay. So I guess for anybody, including us, who doesn't know that much about you, do you mind just sharing some brief background, rough age, and sort of what the overall dynamic looks like for you, and then we can prod deeper? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm in my early 30s living on the East Coast, And Vaughn and I have been together for a couple of years. For me, I relate to the phrase open relating, which is sort of maybe a a bit adjacent to polyamory. Polyamory in its essence of the word is means multiple loves. And I'm interested in the realm including and beyond love and maybe not having the objective of of a deep, uh, loving, committed relationship 
in all of my encounters. So I'm open to, to all sorts of things that, that look a little differently. So, so everywhere from maybe like a casual encounter up to a new long-term relationship, you just kind of leave it open ended. Yeah. So I don't like to put people into boxes. So I find that when I go to date sort of the traditional thinking that I think many of us have been conditioned to is what are you looking for? That's a really common Mm -hmm. phrase. It's like, well, uh, I'm looking for a gray area, you know, like Mm -hmm. let's explore something for me more than um, a purely sexual encounter up into, like you said, a long-term loving relationship. So, and that can make people a little bit uneasy because we don't like to always live in the gray. And sure. so I, I throw that out there and if people are willing to jump on board and see what becomes of things, then that's great. And you know, that's not for everyone. Yeah. Have you, have you found largely that people are open to that? I know it's a lot of people like to say I'm, I'm Polly or I'm a swinger and by leaving it a little more gray, have you found people pretty receptive to that? Yeah, I think for the most part, I think that it takes a little bit of sort of explanation or or finesse to help people to see where I'm coming from. And um, I think that that's the portion that can sometimes be a hindrance, let's say because it takes time to understand where people are coming from if they're not traditional in their relationship background or um, or people that are new to the scene. Right. So how did you evolve to have this, uh, like wanting this relationship style? Have you always felt that way since you were little or have it, has it evolved as you've gotten older? Um, It's certainly evolved. I'm always evolving. (laughs) Um, As I think most people are. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Um, That's what makes life so exciting, right? Exactly. So I had some questions about monogamy pretty early in my formative years. I think I remember saying to my parents fairly young in my, you know, early 20s, like, oh, this monogamy thing, I'm not really sure about it. And I was in a relationship that I was interested in opening up and it took quite a, a long bit of months to convince him that I wasn't trying to trick him into anything, but I really did want to explore with other people. So eventually we did open up and that looked much more similar to a traditional kind of open relationship in that we had sex with other people, but our emotional connection was primary. Mm-hmm. And I found that I struggled with that and that didn't, wasn't something that really worked for me. So we parted ways. Was it a struggle in in the sense that you found yourself developing more feelings for other people? Or was it, I guess, in, in what way did you find it a struggle? Yeah, I, I did find that I was interested in, in having an emotional connection and just the allowance and that exploration piece that I felt like restricted in that. And so... I don't know if it was the restriction that made me want to explore that more or it was just something that I sort of fell into with a partner or two that I was spending time with and um, I enjoy their company. So 
eventually there was going to be some kind of emotional connection there for me. Sure. Sure. And so you, you mentioned that you had this conversation early on, you mentioned it to your parents. Have you, since then, have you continued to be open with them about how things have evolved or have you sort of dialed back and not shared as much since that point? So they know that I'm non-monogamous. I've, I've kept it at that for the most part. I have introduced them to Vaughn and, and speak about another partner of mine sort of on the, on the periphery, but I find that they can be a little bit overwhelmed and have (laughs) some, some questions about my relationship style that can seem offensive Mm -hmm. at times. Sure. Yeah. Just kind of keep it at an arm's length as far as talking about that type of part of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. So I guess to maybe clarify for people and, and for us, do you consider, do you feel that you have like a primary partner and then secondary or tertiary partners or is, or do you, do you sort of see it as everybody's at a level playing field and it's just different lengths of time that you've been with people? Yeah. So that's, this is a really interesting topic. I don't know that I'm the best to articulate this, but for myself, I practice non-hierarchical relationships, which to me means that my partners and myself create um, sort of our own boundaries and guidelines for ourselves and our relationship, and that those don't impact my other relationships, that they are autonomous in, in themselves. And yeah, you know, as far as spending time with people or how long I've been with a partner, certainly that stuff influences and it's an ebb and flow. Right. But yeah, I'm still kind of feeling that out for myself and like unpacking what that means. And if I'm spending this amount of time with a partner versus this partner and, you know, sort of how that works. Yeah. How do you, how do you manage some of that time? Cause I can imagine if you're with somebody for a couple of years, it would seem that maybe they feel like they want to spend more time with you. And if you're trying to manage that with other people and and also maybe along the same lines, do you ever find yourself in a relationship with somebody who themselves is not non-monogamous? And how does that play out, if at all? I hear a couple of different questions there. Yeah. Um, maybe I, maybe I asked too many questions. That was a little bit. Of- so I guess the first question is how do you manage the, the time, the scheduling between multiple partners and deciding, you know, do I spend time with this partner or that partner? And how much does each partner get throughout the week or throughout the month? I, I feel like that's something that maybe people looking from the outside or getting into this can see as overwhelming trying to sort out the, the, they only have so many hours in a day. Right. And so how do you divvy those hours up for yourself and for your partners? Sure. I think that the first and foremost thing is to take care of myself and make sure that I am having my needs met. I'm someone who likes a lot of alone time and that's how I 
de-stress and um, come back to myself. And so making sure that I've allotted that is, is important. I am new, newer, newish to having more than one partner who I have significant feelings for, um, which is something that we can kind of circle back and touch on because I've previously been dating a lot of um, people who are newer to non-monogamy. Yeah. Dating is very much the, the correct term there rather than probably having relationships with those folks. Sure. So, you know, I think that for me, I base my time around the same way that anyone sort of does when they have multiple needs in their lives, which is to say that people naturally ebb and flow about what their needs are and what they have going on and Sometimes that comes all in a rainstorm, <laughs> shitstorm, yeah. if you will, all at once. Um, and people are, you know, more demanding of time. And that's certainly something to manage. And there are many podcasts and people who are well-versed in that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. um, I've heard the term polysaturation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because there are only so many hours in a day. Right. But I don't know. I'm the best to, to articulate that. So maybe backing up a little bit, I know you mentioned, so you, you ended that first or that relationship that you was first had started to open up after that. How did you evolve getting back to your story a little bit before we get into some of the more in-depth questions? Um, sure. So I met Vaughn on Tinder and we connected and enjoy each other's company and pretty quickly had a conversation about where we were separately in our dating lives and and relationship styles. And those just so happened. This was shortly after you ended that other relationship? Yeah. Within maybe six months or so. Okay. I didn't know if it was Um, like years apart. (laughs) Oh, right, right. So we really developed our relationship and um, designed our relationship sort of as we went, um, which is, you know, something that sometimes poly people say is not a good idea, but we had both done a lot of research and read a lot of books and had been practicing as, as you've heard in in his podcast, some forms of non-monogamy prior to us meeting. So it was just kind of like, oh, wow, this is really great. We really like each other. Let's keep this super intensive communication going and figure out what it is that we want and what works for us as we sort of continue to mold this relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. And so so prior to meeting him, you were, were you also, it sounds like you were probably, you, you had mentioned you were exploring non-monogamy. Were you still... Dating multiple, just kind of dating around, trying to figure things out and and see where it was at. Or I was dating in the traditional sense of yeah. dating. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so with him, you guys sort of that was sort of your first time experiencing having sort of a a steady partner, and then also exploring outside of that, where it was more successful than the previous time, right? Right. Yeah. The um, previous relationship I had, we were open for about six months before things ended. Okay. Um, and it, that that was more of a, a strict 
sexual um, connection outside of that primary relationship. Okay. So what did, I guess, do you mind talking a little bit about what some of those conversations looked like early on with Vaughn and, and with other partners about how you wanted to structure things? Some of our conversations were about what our comfort levels and interest was in hearing about other people who were dating or seeing. I think that that can be kind of a hot topic for, for people and their comfort and everyone's different in that. Some of it was certainly about time. And I think especially as we got further into our relationship, there's kind of can be a relationship time creep of, you know, things continually escalating and, and spending time together. And of course we love each other. So we want to spend time together, but you know, we've, we've taken a, another look at that, but that's down the line. I think maybe I would be curious on your behalf. I know some people who explore non-monogamy go down the, the don't ask, don't tell policy, right? Where, you can do anything you want. I just don't want to hear about it. And then there's other people who feed off of hearing about what their partner's doing. And I guess for you, what have you found? What is your preference? Do you do you like to just pretend that it's not happening? Or do you like to hear about what he's doing? And I guess maybe that brings in the compersion and hearing about what's making him happy. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for reason that differently. So I am very much the opposite of don't ask, don't tell. And that was something that Vaughn and I connected on and that that's been an essential part of our relationship. We're very strong in the communication. And so we use that as a platform to get through troubling times and overcome challenges in our relationship. So I'm interested in learning what he's doing and what kind of relationships he's developing and his sexual experiences and vice versa. So at various times, we've shared more or less depending on what we had going on. And I will say that I am, I've learned about myself that I'm less likely to share details when I have a very deep connection with another partner those details about our relationship, my relationship with that other person don't come as easily. And, and it's something that Vaughn and I have talked about and, and just found ways to still communicate about those intense relationships. Right. Um, because it's, it's necessary and needed, I think for our health. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I, if you don't mind expanding on that a little, because I think that's something that that probably translates beyond the poly world and into the into the swinging world, too, which is you have an intense connection with somebody and you're almost a little shy or I don't I don't want to say ashamed, but you're afraid to tell your partner like, yeah, I'm I'm. I have an intense connection with this person and you don't want to make them feel jealous. So you tend to dial it back a little bit. And so if you don't mind talking a little more about that, because it sounds like you experienced something similar on the poly side where you want to hear everything about him, but when it gets intense for you, 
you have a hard time expressing that. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I that we've worked out together is to talk about things early. So when I come home from a date or there's something new kind of a, a simmer burning yeah. <laughs> um, in my relationship life that I acknowledge that pretty early. And that feels like an easier transition than letting things really evolve with that other person. And then it feels overwhelming to me yeah. to address that which is one of the things that Vaughn and I experienced over the summer when I met Kevin. And I'll tell you a bit of a, bit of a story mm-hmm. um, about the polyest thing I've ever done. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> certainly talking about things early. And then another strategy that we developed is to share photos like just send um, each other photos when we're on a date or just in the in the short time thereafter, like, hey, this is, you know, me and so-and-so and this is what we did or whatever. Or, and even emailing yeah. to say, this, this really great thing happened. And for me, that feels um, a little bit easier right. than, like you said, it's, it can feel pretty vulnerable to to not know how someone's going to react or how yeah. I'm going to react. Yeah. And to admit that you have those feelings too, because you're admitting that to your partner that you're talking to, but also to yourself at that time when you're talking about it out loud. Right. So yeah. true. Yeah. So, so I, true. I have a, a, a technical question of, when when you're sending, let's say you're on a date and you send a photo to one of your partners, do you tell the person you're on the date with, like, hey, I want to send a photo to my other partner? Or does that, I feel like that could weird somebody out, but I also feel like if I was that person, I'd be like, oh, cool. Like, I don't know. I feel like that could go either way. How does that, how does that work in a practical sense? Yeah, it it definitely um, is part of the anti-don't-ask-don't-tell. Right. <laughs> so very much if you want to be in a relationship or have an interaction with me, I am going to talk about my other partners because they're part of my life. And they, when I talk about myself and my life, there are going to be stories that include other partners, and I'm going to name them. Yeah. And, you know, I think that as new to swinging as I am, I feel like there's some component of, of acknowledgement that there's an element that turns that person, the the other partner on, like, I'm Mm going to send this photo and hopefully um, the person who I'm on the date with can appreciate that. Right. Right. I have so many questions that I want to ask. I know, but first off, (laughs) I want to hear this story. The the polyest story ever. Yeah. Yes. So I had been dating through Tinder and Bumble and those sort of things and even field as an independent poly woman, let's say. And I was encountering a lot of people who were interested in non-monogamy, but hadn't explored that world at all. And I found that my, um, my filter was not very great for eliminating the people who um, were maybe not serious about non-monogamy or had some kind of 
I don't want to say ulterior motive, but just a very surface level interest mm-hmm. in our intentions. So I found that very tiring. Yeah. And I want to um, ask you a question about that a little bit more, but we can get, come back to that. Okay. After dating many of these folks, um, <laughs> that's such a strange adult word, but I had been dating a lot of these people and Vaughn was in a new, had a new connection with a poly woman that I was aware of. And actually we had, she and I had an open line of communication, which was so fantastic and something that I was new to, even just to say, hi, you know, I exist. And if you need anything, that was so wonderful. So aside from that, I was on field and I met a man and we started chatting and I was very interested in him right off the bat. And as I learned a few more things about him, I said, hmm, this sounds a little bit like Vaughn's new girlfriend's (laughs) partner. (laughs) And so I I messaged her and said, hey, am, am I talking to one of your partners? And so as it turned out, it was, and he and I went on a date and my life kind of exploded for lack of a better term. (laughs) Um, we had a very instant kind of intense connection and, and, um, that continued. And so suddenly I found myself from not going, not, not dating any one who is poly other than Vaughn to being in some kind of quad situation (laughs) (laughs) of of us all talking and being friends and Kevin and Vaughn talk and, and this girl and I are, are friends and yeah. Is that still going on? It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome though. Yeah. Yeah. And out of curiosity, do you mostly identify as straight or do you, date women as well i'm new to dating women yeah so i don't i wouldn't say that i identify as straight but i'm newer to dating women so that's a pretty awesome story though like how you just the situations you find yourself in that you would never have expected (laughs) yes yes it was a lot to handle it was a lot to digest yeah the best way but it really made my life and my growth explode, you know, that I was really being challenged in a lot of ways that I hadn't and being confronted with things about myself that are both wonderful to learn and difficult to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you mind sharing maybe one or two of the things that you learned through that process, whether it was the difficult ones or the wonderful ones, or maybe one of each? One of the things that we talked about earlier about early notification of a strong interest in someone and how um, that can be helpful in in facilitating communication with other partners. That was something I learned from that situation because I felt pretty overwhelmed by the connection that I had with Kevin and I wasn't sure how to talk about that. And not just with Vaughn, but really with anyone. So that was one of the things. What were what were some ways that you worked through that? 
I worked through that when Thon after it had happened. So it was more retrograde of us trying to work backwards in a sense of me trying to explain the way that I was feeling. And little by little, that started to come out in conversations. And, and I felt that it was, it was a challenge for me to, to say those things to him. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with fear. Like we, we've talked about with um, not knowing how someone will react. And it was new for me as well to have such strong feelings for more than one person. And Mm -hmm. so I felt I was dealing with that in addition to notifying my partner that this was happening. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we're at least you were able to look at it and work backwards and figure out where it was coming from and, and get to a point where everybody was happy. Right. I think that's, I think that's the important part. Maybe you didn't, didn't hit a home run at the forefront, but you were able to, to work backwards and get there. Yeah. 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 And that doesn't, that's not always easy to work through. That's for sure. And to admit that you need to work through something like that. Yes. So that was, that was the harder one. What was one that you said, you you said you also learned some things about yourself that were wonderful and amazing. What give yourself some redemption here. We we can't just (laughs) focus on the negative. I think, I mean, I felt easy, easy to love in those circumstances, but I felt like love was abundant and that was a really wonderful feeling to have two people who care deeply for me. Right. I went through a pretty tumultuous time personally in my life in the time that I was, am, was dating, um, both Kevin and Vaughn and my whole tribe was there for me and, um, and their partner as well. And, um, she sent me flowers, which was so wonderful and heartwarming. And I've never had a metamorph relationship like I have with her. Yeah. That's um, awesome. So it's just the overwhelming joy and silver linings of having both of them there and feeling that love is abundant. Yeah. Yeah. I that think that's amazing. Yeah. You can't, Anytime you get to feel that you're wanted by multiple people, and not even wanted, but cared, cared for and loved, yeah. yeah, that's can't can't have too much of that. So, just backing up, I know I mentioned when you said you met a lot of people that were new to polyamory, you dated some of them, and open relationships. Did you feel? I guess if. I were in your shoes, I think I would feel partly like, oh, this is great. I'm teaching all of these people. I'm learning about who they are and teaching them about who I am and open relationships. But also it is, I can imagine it's exhausting. Did you experience that? Or did you, I guess, how did you feel as you navigated all of those newer relationships? Well, I appreciate wanting to help people to find this great thing that I've found. Um, I don't really want to go on a date and teach. <laughs> and I, yeah, exactly. I can see that hundred <laughs> percent. And it took me a while to understand that that's what was happening and how to change, how to, excuse me, how to change that for myself. Almost like you should have a class instead of a date. <laughs> 
have maybe check out the internet yeah. if you <laughs> listen to podcasts. That's listen right. to podcasts. Um, so yeah, I found it trying to have those interactions sort of consecutively and and frustrating because it wasn't really the connection that I was looking for. When I went on those dates, I left feeling like Polly is not the most interesting thing about me. And that's what we spent the most time talking about because yeah, of right. their interest. Right. Um, so I've changed my approach since I continue to date on quote unquote traditional dating sites like Tinder and Bumble, which is that I very boldly add that to my profile. I'm ethically non-monogamous. I find that people overlook that or do not know what that is. So very quickly within the first two or three messages, I say, hey, what's your experience with non-monogamy? And then we can have some kind of conversation about they don't know what non-monogamy is or they're happy to share what, what their experience is. And I think that my threshold now for people who have no experience is pretty low, unfortunately. And mm -hmm. um, I kind of protect my energies a little bit more closely now. Very bluntly say there are great podcasts and there are some great resources that I'm happy to send to you. And I don't mean that in a negative facetious way. I'm just trying to help them while helping myself. Yeah. And I think that makes places. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a healthy way to approach it that you're not, you're not shutting them out. You're willing to give them resources, but it's, you're looking out for yourself. And honestly, that's the most important thing you need to do, not to be selfish, but to be able to take care of yourself and look for what you want. Agreed. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's very fair. I had, I had questions and I know we're just like all over the board here, but that's, that's it's okay. You'll, you'll make it work. You'll circle mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you, you mentioned earlier that you, in part of your oversharing with people, you hope that at some level that they find pleasure, whether it's compersion or sexual interest in hearing about what you've done for yourself. I guess, how do you approach that? Do you, do you find that hearing about your other partners provides that level of like, whether it's like, a sexual turn on or compersion or I guess in that oversharing, what have, have you learned about yourself in terms of that? I've learned that for me, compersion and as you said, sexual interests run very close and overlap for me. So I've learned that there are two direct routes to compersion for me which are meeting a metamor and the second um the second best is hearing about the pleasure that my partner gets from being with that person um really whether it's sexual or otherwise but certainly sex helps <laughs> yeah and, and and on that same note has it ever crossed over from compersion and like piquing your sexual interest to 
holy shit, I'm jealous, and now you're going down a different path? Or has it largely for you been green lights and everything's been good? No, I mean, poly is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, yes, <laughs> non-monogamy. It's hard. We can just put that umbrella, right? Because yes, non-monogamy is hard. Yep. We have swinging and like that, those guys getting in there. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. So no, it hasn't been um, rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> and that's been a lot of introspective work that I've done with myself, you know, w- looking at, is this a me thing? Is this an us thing? Or is this a, a partner, an otherwise partner thing? Then what, role do I play in my feelings and emotions? And I tend to have more, I I feel a bit more challenged when there's an emotional connection involved rather than a partner of mine who is having a sexual experience. I'm, I, I find that I'm pretty easily turned on by that. And, Mm -hmm. and I, I have a little bit more hesitation when when my partner is in love and having those sexual experiences. And, and I wonder how much of that plays on my own inability to share when I'm having an intense emotional relationship and, and am I really just projecting that onto them? So mm-hmm. right. these are sort of some of the things when I talk about introspective what is it that i own versus my partner owning yeah 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 that makes total sense it sounds like you found that if there's not a ton of emotion involved it's it's kind of a a sexual turnout for you you mentioned a few times swinging and that you're new to that has that sort of been the the path or the the light at the end of the tunnel that was like, Hey, maybe this is a way to look where it's the sexual experiences without so much of the emotional attachment to it. So, um, Vaughn and I have had a couple of experiences, all of them good. The interesting portion that bridges these two ideas for me is that I found that what one of the things that I really enjoy about swinging with Vaughn is our pleasure dynamic because I feel very safe in the space that I share with him and that allows me to have pleasure from other people. Mm-hmm. I think that pleasures of can be a very vulnerable thing mm-hmm. and I think that to have him there with me it allows kind of this loophole, let's say, to um, to experience other people in a way that I might not have otherwise. Yeah, I think that's a fascinating way to look at it is because it, pleasure can be very vulnerable. And I never actually put those words together, but I think it makes a lot of sense. And yeah. having that partner with you right, during that experience. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, when you were way back at the beginning, starting your journey, and you had gone down the the open relationship path, you had explored, it sounded like, more sexual-based encounters, and and that it didn't really work for you, but now you're starting to explore the swinging side of things, which 
again, it's not that it's totally void of emotion and feeling, but it is a little more focused on the sexual side of things. Have how I guess how do you make that shift back to that? It seems it seems counterintuitive to why you got into poly to start with, and now you're kind of exploring back a little bit. Yeah, I think that it's the the issue that I had with a strictly primary non-emotional open relationship was the restriction portion. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in poly and hopefully in swinging, certainly with my poly partner, I know that I don't have the restriction of certain boundaries that they are placing on me. So if I were to say, have a great time with a swinging couple that I could pursue that on my own and feel totally within bounds to do that okay. and create a whole nother relationship based on, you know, the, the compatibility of the three of us and not necessarily the four of us and sort of having the, that flowing energy and, and connection. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, Absolutely. Changing the topic completely. Uh, again. Again. <laughs> I know. With this interview, we are kind of all over the place. That's all right. People figure it out. <laughs> no, <laughs> you had mentioned I, I like to give the listeners a little bit of a view of the person that we're talking to outside of your non-monogamous relationships. So mm-hmm. is there some hobbies or something about you that you would don't mind sharing that you have or interests or anything that can, you know, tell people a little bit more about yourself. You're not, you're not just a sex fiend who goes on dates 20, <laughs> 22 hours a day, or maybe you are, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. Oh, hopefully I can stay up that many hours. Um, I am someone who loves the sunshine. I like books and yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that, a lot of the things that we name about ourselves can be very generic. And I think that the things that um, make us unique are the, the ways in which we interact with the world and do those things. And the sort of philosophies that we hold that, that how we see ourselves and how we see others can help to shape who we are when we're doing the yoga and the reading and I love to stop and say hi to dogs on the street and <laughs> and I go wakeboarding and um so that's, that's kind of my philosophy on yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> naming things and that's maybe part of the challenge that some people face when creating a dating profile because these things can sound pretty generic like hey I do things. Yeah, exactly. Right. Everyone does things. They just might be different things. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so how? So now we're just deviating, but it doesn't matter. It's our, <laughs> it's our podcast, and we'll do whatever we want. Um. So you you said it's it's hard sometimes to write a dating profile because you feel like you're just listing things that you do. If you were able to do it verbally over audio on a podcast, how would you, how would you advertise yourself? I'm, 
I'm just curious. That way, way when, to put her on the spot. Well, Jeez. no, this way when she goes on, when she gets contacted by some some polyamory noob, she can say, "Hey, go listen to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, <laughs> and you'll know everything you need to know." True. Oh wow, I I genuinely had not thought about that, and it, and it scares me honestly. <laughs> It would scare me, too. I don't know how I would answer that question. <laughs> um, it scares me that I could tell someone to come listen to this podcast. Wow. You don't, um, you don't have to do that. I was just saying it's an option. I think that some some of it I summed up earlier, but I I like to talk about traits versus things that I do. So I try every day. It's a practice to be compassionate and be compassionate for myself. And that leads me to have non-judgment and loving understanding for other people. I practice everyday honesty and radical transparency, which means to me that I'm honest with myself. And like Emma was saying earlier about disclosing to a partner your feelings about someone that you're dating and really having that sort of blowback on yourself in a way. So being transparent with my partners and, and showing up and saying what's real for me, even if that doesn't look very pretty and, and having that be how it is and owning that. So I guess those are some of the things that I hope for people to see about me, but Dating profiles and that, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Well, that's that's why we're better than any dating profile. <laughs> I think that was a great response. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. And I think I think it's hard to, like you said, it's hard to explain those things in 250 words or less. And not only that, but most people are going to never going to read that far. And I know that's kind of unfortunate. We've, we've experimented briefly with like, uh, okay cupid and it was it, it was clear that people don't read and that's unfortunate because yeah it's hard it's hard though i mean yeah it's tough so i don't know where do i was going with that repeating? what's that do you find yourself repeating what you what's in your profile when people ask questions or oh no one ever contacted me so that- <laughs> Didn't have any, didn't have any trouble. Never had to repeat anything. (laughs) I did. And I had a few people reach out. Well, a few people that I actually cared to respond to because other people, I, I'm a type of person that I do like to respond to everybody, but some messages don't even require, I don't think are considered enough for a response. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, okay, Cupid can be crickets. Yes. Right. Right. See, so. maybe it wasn't you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not. <laughs> no. So yeah, no. I I think, and I think we see that too, on the Cassidy side of things. Like on our, on our personal profile, we have at the very top in bold letters that we are not currently living in the city we're from, and that we're traveling. And I would say every two weeks we get a message like, hey, do you guys want to go get dinner? It's like... You clearly didn't read our profile. Like, yeah, we're, we're going to go get dinner tonight, but we're 8,000 <laughs> miles away, so yeah. it's going to be tough. 
Like we love getting messages and just say like, yeah. we'd love to communicate with you, but we can't just go get dinner right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Back to the. Yeah. Do you have any other questions? I've, I, I guess I'm just overall very fascinated. So one of the reasons that we, that I find the, the non-monogamy thing so fascinating is I, it's fascinating for me to hear what, what other women are thinking, whether it's on the poly side or on the sexual side. And so it's something to me that I could ask a billion questions and this could be like a six hour interview. So I refrain from doing that. I will will try to dial it back, but yeah, I think maybe just curiosity about where you see things going for you in the future and like, or maybe what you hope, like what is your ideal at the moment, knowing that it probably shifts and changes, but like, is it 10 different partners? Is it one partner where you guys do swinging? And I guess what is your, your dream situation or is it just ever evolving? My dream situation is happiness and fulfillment and <laughs> whatever that looks like. I plan to travel in the future as well. So I enjoy relationships where there is lots of flexibility and that again, we're sort of living in that gray space that we can make things look how however we want to and, and what feels best for us. So I do have some kind of um, aspirations of spending a certain amount of time with a partner, maybe more intensely and then traveling and, you know, having other partners. I'm interested in continuing to explore the swinging world and I think that that I would like for that to be a part of my future. Yeah. Um, and I've struggled a little bit with, I guess, the the spectrum of meeting or going to parties rather. And I guess kind of meeting some someone or some couple on the fly and having sex with them versus having an ongoing friendship and getting to know people and swinging with them. Mm-hmm. And sort of what that looks like and feels like and how accessible that is. I jumped right into the hard, cold, hard world of um, clubs in Miami. Um, <laughs> wow. For my first swing experience. And it was a lot. It was a lot. I've there never was, been to those clubs, but I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. There was, was some actual shit. <laughs> Like, literally? Literally. Yes. It was not something that I was familiar or had seen before. I think um, I think you might have to elaborate on this. Like, there were... I went to the club two nights in a row. And both the nights, there was feces on the floor or on the bench. Um, I am not sure. I was not there to witness it, but certainly I saw it and smelled it. Um, wow. I was looking for a room to play with someone, and... Um, that wasn't the room, they, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the room. <laughs> they, were, they brought us... They weren't even going to clean it out. They brought us a can of Lysol. 
Well, I mean, if you spray it on there, it's it's fine. It just disinfects it, and then it's no problem. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so just just a quick disclaimer. I'd say we've been doing the swinging thing for the better part of ten years. Never once have we encountered no. That. So, um, must guess, have been your I lucky we need to first to, experience. I guess we need to go to Miami <laughs> if we want that in our lives. I guess so. <laughs> So, yeah, do you mind talking more about the contrast in the poly versus the swinging and what what are some things that you found that you really like about the swinging versus that you prefer on the on the poly side? Or is in in your brain is it just two different completely different worlds? No, I think there's certainly a lot of overlap. I guess what comes to mind first about swinging is that is the partnership aspect that you kind of maybe for the most part, like win and lose together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't say that in the sense of someone having sex and someone not, because I think that when for most swinging couples, hopefully there's some compersion and excitement for the other person, whether, you know, that partner is you yourself are having sex or not or have it playing or whatever so I like that aspect and same going for dating when it comes to swinging like hey let's go out on this date with this couple and that's sometimes much more fun than going out on a date by yourself yeah yeah I think I think that's one thing that we found enjoyable is when you go on a date together even if it's a total failure now you, you mean with another swinging couple? Right. Yeah. All of our dates together are absolute successes. Just you and me. Uh, yeah, of course. But if we go with another couple, right, and then it's a total failure, you leave there at least you have a fun story and somebody to commiserate with, right? You get to laugh the whole way home. Yeah. Yeah. So. I love that. Yeah. One of the ways that I apply that to my single life is I come up with really fun, creative dates that I like that we go and do something. So that right. way, even if it's a miss, I've still done something fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, that's a really good way to do it too. That you, something you enjoy no matter what. And then if right. it's like this person does not have, we do not have comp- compatibility. It doesn't matter. I'm still doing something fun. Mm-hmm. That's that's actually a really smart strategy. And also one thing that I am aware of is that, that by doing something new or something exciting that's triggering right the dopamine, so you're you're gonna have more fun anyway. So yeah, I think that's awesome. What what are some of the things you've done? Now I'm just curious. Like fun dates that you've orchestrated. Like free concerts in the park. Okay. Or art exhibits. Or new skills that we can learn together. Yeah, those are great examples. Yeah. No, I just we. It's been a long time since I've had to go on a first date. I've actually never gone. No, I think like once. You've gone on, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That's not the topic. No, I'm gonna have to edit a lot. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're all over the place tonight. <sighs> I don't know how. I feel like. Editing would be equivalent to re-listening to a lecture. But I will, I will say that a lot of times, like, I don't know, we, we have so much fun doing these interviews yeah. that when I when I go back and listen to them and edit them, 
very rarely does it feel tedious because I enjoy listening to them so much. Yeah, and then I usually re-listen to every one before it goes live as well. So that's really cool. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Well, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to touch on? I did want to talk about my displeasure of the word of the phrase NRE. Um, are you familiar with that term? Yes. Yeah. So I think that for me, NRE discounts the the relationship in some ways. And um, to me, it, it can seem kind of dismissive that in the same way, like, oh, you were drinking and that's why, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, right. oh, well, they just have NRE and that's probably not going to last and that's, you know, whatever. So I think but, it can be kind of discounting. But yeah. so before we continue, for listeners who don't know what that is, can you define it as well? New relationship energy. Yeah. So the excitement and joy of getting to know someone new. And it can also be on the sexual side too, right? Like, oh, well, we're having sex seven days a week, twice a day, but that's only because we just met, right? So Mm -hmm. it can, it can manifest itself in many ways. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But in, so in your experience or in your opinion, you're not a fan because it discounts maybe the actual connection I think that the, that it can. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I'm offering it as maybe to be a little bit mindful of or, or weary sure. um, when we're throwing it around. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah, it's very fair. And offers a really good other perspective that no one else has brought up that we've talked to, at least that I remember. Yeah. One, one thing that we like to touch on, if you don't mind us asking is how do you navigate and manage your safety inside of the the non-monogamy world, whether it's, and we can talk about it from a few different aspects. One would be going on, you know, maybe multiple first dates and making sure that you're staying safe physically, but then also your, your sexual health and making sure that you're maintaining, you know, a healthy lifestyle when you're potentially having multiple sexual partners more than your average person potentially let's hope so yeah <laughs> if, if you're doing it right yeah <laughs> um so as far as my physical safety i have read about and created a system of a code word so or i guess a sort of a series of code words so if i call my designated person and say, you know, I'm having a really fabulous time, then they know that maybe they should check in with me in a few minutes. And if I use another phrase, that's like a a different sort of escalation that things are not going very well. Right. Um, Always have someone who knows where I'm going to be if I'm not in a public place with that person, whether it be that that date I'm taking them back to my place or, you know, it's a third date or what, you know, whatever the case may be that I send them the address or I share my location on my iPhone, which is also very convenient. Yeah. Um, But I think that plays into your, your strategy of communicating clearly with your partners and that you have those open lines of communication that 
if you were in a, a don't ask, don't tell type relationship, and, and not to say that those are the wrong way to go, but because you're not doing that, you can text Vaughn or Kevin or whoever and say, I'm going to be here and I expect to be done roughly around this time. If you don't hear from me, maybe come looking for me. <laughs> yeah, totally. So. Um, and I'm, I'm new also to the BDSM realm, which mm-hmm. I understand to be a whole nother aspect of safety. Yeah. Um, something that I'm starting to read about and very slowly navigate because I don't want to get into any unsafe situations, but I am interested in exploring BDSM. So some things to think about. Yeah. Part part two <laughs> of the, of the Aaliyah interview. Mm-hmm. My so, second date didn't go very well the other night. You guys um, h- helped to reschedule so I could go on a second date. Oh yeah. yeah yes. As, as part of our six month long foreplay, <laughs> you, you you had to reschedule at the last second, the last time for a second date, or was it? It was a first date, a second date. It was a second date. I'm glad it went well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always nice when the, the the best thing about a second date is the the reassurance that the spark and the connection that you felt on a first date wasn't a fluke. Yeah, right. it wasn't just NRE. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just had to poke poke the bear a little. Yeah. So. Just to f- circle back real quick on the on the sexual health and safety side of things, what are what are some things that you do to handle that and mitigate any risks as much as possible? Yeah, so um, I feel very comfortable talking about sexual health, and it's something that I bring up matter of factly, and it comes up. I mean, it comes up always. First of all. And um, it comes up in different contexts in some ways, depending on how things are going to go or what sense I get. So if I'm dating someone and it seems like things are going in a sexual direction or that our next step is physical, I will say, hey, I have something really sexy to show you and send them my results. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I just had a partner who was like, oh, wow, I've never seen this approach before. And I was like, well, let me, you know, help you with all of the ins and outs of sexual health. And he he said his reaction was that he was planning to use condoms. And I said, awesome. Condoms are awesome. You know, here's a place that gets, does testing for free. Yeah. Because I... I'm comfortable with know your status. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly something that I talk about frequently. Yeah. So in that situation, do you put the brakes on things sexually with somebody until they know their status and, and then you know their status? Even if they're like, I'm going to put seven condoms on. That's not a good idea. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. Yes, it depends on the situation and and some of the physical. Like, I will gladly have, like, be fingered by someone or give someone a hand job Uh where there's no, I guess, penetrative sex. And and those things, I think, are underrated. Yeah. Yeah. I love to go back to that. Yeah. That's 
that's fantastic. I think, you know, talk about six months of foreplay. Right. <laughs> and we've done none of that, though. To be, to be clear, we, we have not done that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that there's there are great opportunities and silver linings there um, sure. yeah. in the realm of, of sexual health. So that's how I see it. So I'm I'm curious, and this is some this is an approach that we take, um, and we've seen taken when we host or have partaken in group situations. And one of the things that we do beforehand is we just we create like a circle, and everybody just kind of goes around the circle and shares what they're into in terms of interests, things that that are off limits, whether it's always or that night. And sexually, to be clear, sexually, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could talk about wakeboarding and yeah. whatever, but it's mostly like, hey, I'm into this, this, and this. I don't do this, this, and this. And then you talk about your testing status and what when you were last tested and what the results were. If you were on a date with somebody and things seemed to be going that way, and they were just very blunt about that and said, hey, tonight I'm feeling like I want to do X, Y, and Z. I'm not really feeling this thing or that thing. And this is my status for you. Would that, would that be a mood killer or would you, would you embrace that pretty openly and be like, Hey, cool, I'll play. And here's my answers to all those questions back at you. Um, I think that communication is really sexy to, for starters. Right. Um, yeah, I think that we should ask for what it is that we want, and and that goes both ways. So I certainly enjoy when my partner can communicate with me about their interests, and if that's on a first date, that's great. And I think that even if I'm on a date and it's not, it doesn't seem like the physical aspect is accelerating very quickly, I at least like to acknowledge the existence of sex. Right. Like, hey, probably if we continue to see each other at some point, we're going to have sex. That's not what I say, but just yeah. in a sense. Right. Um, so, and, and the other portion of my answer is, I, I guess I'm not sure how I feel about this, but I really prefer to see test results. Yeah. Like I think that we live in a, in a digital age, I know that I'm going to send mine and mm-hmm. that's just what I prefer. And I'm not sure sort of how that works in the speaking community. I mean, do you pull it up on your phone while you're at a party or? You know? Yeah. And I, I think a lot of that is situational, but Typically, what we've seen is we you try to have the conversation, and 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 unfortunately, a lot of that is reading body language from people. And if they're like, "Oh yeah, I think I got tested like six months ago, and I think everything was fine," like you can start to pick up on things, right? But if they're fairly confident, like, "Oh, I did this, 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 and this, and these were my answers; these are the results." You can kind of play it off like that. And I think, yeah, it's something I I wish was more, and and that's something that we're trying to make more common and more 
accepted. Yeah. Like, I mean, in a perfect world, you would see the paper results and be able to have, or digital results, and be able to have a conversation around that. Uh, but sometimes that's not always practical, especially if you're at a club or a house party or something like that. And you just have to use your best judgment. And I also acknowledge that, you know, when you're having sex with more than one person, you are, or even one, or even one person, when you're having sex at all, you're putting yourself at some sort of risk and you're acknowledging that. Yeah. And there's, but you can put yourself at a somewhat educated risk and knowledgeable risk. And I think that's what we always try to navigate and also try to teach and encourage other people to make sure you have that conversation. Cause we definitely encourage, we've encountered couples and um, people in the swinging side of the life of, of non-monogamy where they don't have those conversations. And I, that's really unfortunate. I think, I think it's a very important yeah. part. And not only, yeah. And they don't like to, because they think it's a mood killer and it's not sexy. No. But, and, and that's kind of why I was prodding you for it because as somebody who's a, a representative of the community and, and a female representative of the community where a lot of things revolve around your interest and your willingness to partake, right? We, you, you hear people talk in the swinging side of things that everything hinges off of the woman and whether it's a go, no go. And that's, that's a whole different topic, but I kind of wanted to put it out there for you being like, do you find these things sexy or at least not a turnoff to where having that conversation is a benefit rather than a, a detraction to the to the mood. So mm -hmm. I was just making you a representative for all women everywhere. So, <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> Yikes. I think that the, the other thing that Emma touched on that I wanted to come back to is that I think that it's a balance of knowing your status and, and making educated educated choices with with your body and with sexuality and the balance of not shaming mm -hmm. and yeah. um and sexually transmitted infections are for the most part just that infections for instance the flu is primarily transmitted because many people don't wash their hands yeah but we don't blame someone when they get the flu because probably they put their hands in their mouth or they weren't washing their hands, but we're quick to shame someone for having an STI that we can treat with antibiotics. Yeah. Um, right. So I think it's a balance for sure. And there's also ways to, there's a lot of medications out there to treat things. Like you said, there's also ways to play very safe uh, to minimize any risk. If you're worried about it as well. I mean, there's, Condoms are, of course, wonderful, but there's also uh, gloves and dental dams and saran wrap and a lot of ways to play that you can do so even more safely than you might think. Mm, yeah. yeah. And I okay. hope that you are being ambassadors for bringing those to the <laughs> to the swinging world. Yes, we're we, trying to. We, we do our damnedest. <laughs> so, and I didn't, I didn't mean to, to drag you into the that world kicking and screaming it was just it it's fun in a weird way to hear what other people 
how they feel about those conversations and, and hearing from you, somebody in your thirties, who's balancing between the poly world and the swinging world. And the, the having those conversations for you is, is not necessarily a turn on, but it enhances it in the sense that now, now you have the full picture before you go in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it's a turn on in that, Again, communication is a turn on for me. So I love it when someone is up for having those conversations. And I know that it's a really good marker if that feels comfortable with them. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for indulging my long winded questions. (laughs) Sometimes multi-part questions. I don't don't know why I've got so many like seven part questions. I don't know. You've been throwing them at her. All right. Well, I think maybe it would be a good time to ask if there's any major resources that you wanted to recommend for people that you have found useful, whether it's on the swinging side or the poly side or just the conversation and communication side before we let you get back to your Sunday evening. My favorite um, sort of communication-based resource is that of Brene Brown. Um, She writes on shame and vulnerability, and um, I think that she is a great place to start if you're looking to expand your self-awareness and practice being not judgmental. I like Polyland is a dot com that I've looked at in the past, but I think that I'm pretty mainstream in my resources as far as what people have mentioned on your podcast in the past. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. We'll allow that. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to mention or bring up? I know we asked you that once already, but is there anything else? <laughs> Cover everything? Yeah. I wrote some notes, but I hope you can edit all the things. <laughs> Hey, this this one was on me. Yeah. Normally when I have to edit, it's not my fault, but this time it's all me, so. (laughs) No, you had some great insight. Yeah, 100%. If it helps, um, I really appreciated the the ability to pause and, like, gather my thoughts. Oh, absolutely. So, well, thank you for taking some time out of your Sunday evening to blabber on with us well i blabbered you taught you spoke coherently and uh, and we look forward to part two where we talk about the world of Aaliyah in the bdsm world and yeah and until then thank you and have a wonderful evening yes thanks again you too bye bye hello we back we're back how do we do on those questions? Yikes. It was a little all over the place. But Aaliyah's a badass and Vaughn's a badass. And no wonder those two badasses found each other. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking. So now if you haven't gotten to listen to episode 26, go listen to that one. And now you can listen to that one. Then you can listen to this one. And then you can listen to that one again. And then, I don't know, maybe just keep doing that or listen to a different one. I was like, there's a lot of other options. In the meantime, <laughs> you know what? Uh... Go check out Cassidy. That, yeah. That is our way of meeting other sexy people like Vaughn and Aaliyah, who, you know what? They're on Cassidy. Yeah. And now you can get a six-month free trial. And you got to do nothing other than go to our website, click on the damn links. 
and use them. Yeah. So. And our website is normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You can also find us on Twitter and on Casty under the screen name NNM Podcast. And we're on the Instagram too. I think it's NNM Podcast there. I believe, yes. That's new. We're starting to post stuff there too. Yeah, all of one posts. But there'll be more. Now, we see everybody next week for episode 44 with Front Porch Swingers. Which is a podcast that has started about maybe two or three months ago. And they're rocking it. They tell some sexy-ass stories. Mm -hmm. I won't won't talk like that again. (laughs) I promise. And yeah, so we'll see them in one week. And you in one week. Bye, everyone.